This conversation isn't just about, well, I have my rights and I'm going to make my rights known. This isn't about like getting your way as such. It's about, and it's not even just about getting a job done. This is about love. Mm. Like it comes, that's what it boils down to. It boils down to how can we best love this person who's asked something of us. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Living Fullness. I'm Sina Constantine and joining me on the podcast is Father Sean Burns. Each week you'll hear us chat about a range of topics from virtue to relationships, comments on cultural shifts and lessons we're learning as we go along and we are so happy to have you join us. So sit back and enjoy being part of a conversation with a couple of friends. How are you going Padre? Well thank you Sina and yourself. Doing well. That's the way. What you been doing? I am weddinged out. Weddinged out. <laughs> I'm weddinged out. I've gone to my last wedding that I've been invited to. Oh, that's not true. I got invited to another one the other day. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> well, in the series of weddings that I've sure, had in the sure. last little bit. So my really close friend got married last weekend. Mm-hmm. It was an honour to be a maid of honour for her. So yeah. it's been a huge lead up to the wedding. But um, yeah, just awesome. Awesome to see her married. <laughs> It's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What have you been up to? What have I been up to? That is a good question. <laughs> is that because there's so much happening, or I'm because nothing's been happening? I'm struggling to think of a particular thing that I can say. Uh, not because nothing's been happening, but just because everything's been happening all at oh. once. But uh, I did complete a chapter of my thesis just recently, hey. so yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So good hooray! Job. And uh, I'm just waiting for the comments from my supervisor to be like, change it all. <laughs> so <laughs> it's all bad. Start it's all again. bad. The whole thing. <laughs> Okay. Well, supervisor um, wouldn't do that, sure. No, no, she wouldn't. She'd do it with a German accent. Oh, no, uh, no. <laughs> you must change it all immediately. <laughs> um, but uh, what are we talking about today? Yeah, in today's episode, we're going to focus on diligence and disobedience. So I think this is in relation to something that I think most of us will have experienced at some point where you have this hesitation where you know that there's something that, you know, you should do and we should kind of get onto that, but we kind of do this whole, yep, yep. I know I should do it. I know I could do it, but I'm going to do it later. Not now, later. And, you know, it kind of doesn't sound like much of a deal, right? It doesn't sound like it's too big of a problem because it's going to get done just later but actually if we start to pull that apart which we're going to do in today's episode i think we can start to recognize that there are some issues in that attitude yeah yeah so if i was to put you know an example to it you know something like maybe tidying up the house Mm. maybe there isn't too big of an issue if you need to tidy up your house because it's a bit unkept it's a bit all over the place you know, maybe you've got some other priorities and you're thinking, ah, I'll do it, I'll do it. It needs uh, to be done, but I'll just uh, do it later. And maybe there isn't too big of a deal. Like maybe that's not too big of a problem because maybe you live by yourself and mm. maybe there's no one else around and you will get to it. But what if you add another layer on top and actually there's a house inspection tomorrow? Mm. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'll get it done, get it done. But later, well, now we have a problem because there's a house inspection tomorrow. So there's going to be a consequence to not having the house looking as good as it possibly can no, no, right. <laughs> with a house inspection around the corner. 100%. So I guess in that, if we sort of look at a couple of mindsets maybe, yes, yes, that yes. might be present in even in that particular scenario, the first mindset might be one of, yep, I know I need to do it. And if I need to do it, then I'll get onto it and I'll get it done. 
And that's one way of thinking about it. So I've got a house inspection, so I need to do it. So I'm going to get it done. The other way, the other mindset of having it is actually looking at, well, having a tidy house isn't just about something that needs to be done because somebody's going to come and look at it. (laughs) It's also about hygiene, both for body and for mind. So it's Mm. about having a place that creates peace and tranquility and is a welcoming space where you can have other people come into it. And it also eases the burden if there is a house inspection because now there isn't so much extra that needs to be done. So it's looking at it in two very different ways. Yeah, no, very much so. And I think the second is much closer to what we're being asked of in our spiritual lives. We're called to be ready for the second coming, which, which you know, our Lord coming again in, in, in judgment and glory. And, and, and that, that can happen at any day and at any hour. Our Lord says that he will come like a thief in the night, uh, completely unexpected. So are we going to be like the wise virgins in scripture who were prepared to meet the bridegroom? They had their lamps well trimmed and enough oil. Or will they be like the foolish virgins who didn't bring enough oil to last the night and had to run back and grab some oil? Before they knew it, they were kept out of the wedding party because they had not adequately prepared for that moment. Well, only one of those two things brings peace. Like the the, the virgins who were kept outside of the, the, the wedding banquet were not in peace. They had not prepared for that moment. And as a result, they weren't able to experience that moment. So only one of those options brings peace. And that's at the end of the day, that is a sort of diligent preparation and obedience to the voice of God in the situation in which we find ourselves, that voice that says, yeah, you know what you should probably do. So giving into this whole not now, later, it starts in the small things. It's a mindset that can either be battled against to build up the virtue of diligence that you're talking about or be led into kind of breaking down our will and then moving into sloth and laziness. And I think laziness is another one of these soft sins that we talk about where or if it doesn't immediately impact someone else or it doesn't detrimentally impact someone, then it's not really that big of a deal and, you know, why should we even worry about it? But actually when we start to think about, well, who is this actually impacting and what level of impact is it having, then we can actually see just how dangerous (laughs) laziness can be. And this sort of not now later idea is a, it's actually a common way of addressing sin or rather not addressing sin, which has reached problem level, you know, so gossip, impurity, whatever it might be, a common way of, of sort of engaging with that, 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 that sin and that, that issue is to say, well, yes, it's a problem, but it's what I don't need to address yet. You know, I can let it go for a little bit more. I will deal with it, but I just, I just don't have the time to deal with it now. I just can't deal with it right at the moment. You know, so it's something I will deal with, but just something that I can't deal with right at this right right at this stage. Can't or won't. <laughs> yeah, can't or won't, right? Right, exactly, exactly. At that point, I don't think we fully realise just how much of a problem, how much of an issue that particular sin has become because it, it actually does have such a hold on our lives that it's going, mm, I don't really want to deal with this thing. I'd rather just have it in my life because it's comfortable. At least in the immediate term, it's comfortable. Even though it might cause problems for me, it's like a comfortable old friend that I can go back to, right? There's this habit of saying, well, I can excuse myself because I recognise its existence. Oh, I know it's there. I know it's a problem. I know it's something I need to work on. Okay. <laughs> and? So, yeah. Where's the follow-up to that? <laughs> yeah. So, um, now recognition is good, yeah. but action which follows through on the recognition 
is so important because if that's not there, all that the recognition alone does is just sort of help to entrench the patterns of sin. So, for instance, if I recognize that I gossip around certain people but do nothing to correct that habit, like changing the conversation or even changing my company, it only serves to reinforce the habit. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's almost um, it's almost more uncharitable uh, mm. to be aware of what we do and that's harmful towards another and then choosing not to do something about it. So, right. Uh, right. I mean, awareness is, like you're saying, awareness is only useful if we actually do something with that awareness. Yeah. Otherwise, if we're choosing to become aware of a repetitive fault that we have and then doing nothing about it, well, then we're being uncharitable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which absolutely. is where this these soft sins become really dangerous. And and I think as just from a from a Catholic perspective for a moment, I think one of the things that is important to challenge, and, and, and this is in no way to discourage anyone from coming to the sacrament of confession, come to the sacrament of confession. But I think what happens is that the sacrament of confession gets caught up in the habit of sin so that we recognize this thing as a problem. And what we do about that is the sacrament of confession, right? So we know this thing is a problem, we engage in the behavior, realize it's wrong, go to the sacrament of confession, rinse and repeat. There's there's nothing in between the sacrament of confession and the next fall that radically changes our, our way of acting. Uh, and, and I think that's what's actually required is that between the sacrament of confession uh, between confessing one's sins and leaving the confessional, there actually has to be this, okay, not only do I make an, an act of resolution that I don't want to do this again, I'm actually now going to start thinking about ways mm. that I won't do that again, practical ways that I can institute from the moment I step out of that door mm. so that it's not just sin, confess, rinse, repeat. What you're talking about also relates back to the five apology languages which we covered in a previous episode in a previous season mm. as well. I mean, when we make a confession where not only are we apologising and asking for forgiveness and resolving with our will to not do it again, but we also, when we make a sincere apology, you have to also be able to communicate that this is what I'm going to do about it so that it doesn't happen again in future. Now, fallen human beings, we're going (laughs) to, we're going to, we're going to, like it's going to take a while to get there. But if we don't actually make that active choice that you're talking about and a practical choice on how to actually battle the habit that's unhelpful, that we're not actually creating, right. we're not making a sincere apology for what's actually transpired or a complete sincere apology yeah. for what's transpired. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the other the other part of this, particularly when it comes to these soft sins, yes, but, but also for this not now later kind of an attitude that we can have is that we can sometimes fall into the trap of thinking that, well, if it's not impacting anyone else and it's only really impacting me, then it's kind of okay. But the reality is that no sin ever has just an impact on us. It just doesn't work that way. Every sin has a flow-on effect in some way to others, to those around us, to those that we you know, are in daily communication with, to the people that we live with, the people that we're most closest to, because it shapes, even if we just think about the simple fact of witness, mm. the sins that we commit shape the kind of witness that we become to others. So we're witnessing poorly when we're carrying around all of our sins. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I used to say to the seminarians when I was uh, a couple of years ago when I was first year formator, 
I used to say to them, sin is no respecter of boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. So if I say, oh, yeah, look, I, I recognize that there's this thing that I have to deal with, but look, just not yet. I'll, I'll, I'll set up this boundary. And I, won't, I won't go past this boundary. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk with these people that I know gossip occurs, that, that, that I know I gossip with, but I, I just won't talk about this particular person or this particular thing. Sin is no respecter of boundaries. It is no respecter of boundaries. It will always transgress the imaginary boundaries that we put up around it. It, it, it will. It will always transgress them. Uh, so, so we sort of, um, and just just as an example, um, it will it, sin will also it will grow and metastasize in ways that we don't necessarily expect. So, if I, for instance, say grace. Or I don't say grace at the start of meals, not because I forgot. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, like it's it's mm-hmm. one thing to forget to say grace. Right. It's another thing to make a conscious choice. Mm-hmm. Eh, I'm not going to say grace. Yeah. And then to repeat that conscious choice, right? Um, well, if I make that conscious choice that okay, you know, I'm not going to say grace, um, and it's it's a conscious choice that I frequently make, then it opens up the possibility. To persist in that refusal opens up the possibility that that refusal grows into other areas of my life. Mm. The refusal to pray begins to go into other aspects. You know, all of a sudden I'm dropping mm. my breviary or I'm dropping uh, a mental prayer or, you know, like like prayer no longer has the uh, the importance because I've made a decision with this particular one, this little one over here. Oh, no, I don't need to do that. Well, you know, it, 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 it demonstrates... Um, it demonstrates the value that I've placed upon that and that will move into other areas and aspects of my prayer life. Mm. So just to be aware, sin has no boundaries. Mm. Uh, if we if we try and, and, and play imaginary boundaries with it, yeah. it will always transgress them. Mm. Yeah. And I guess also in that same vein, those small moments, the little moments actually do make a difference. Yeah. Like yeah. when we consciously choose the good. Yeah. They rack up really quickly and become quite powerful and Absolutely. can really shift our day. Saying not yet to something that's actually been asked of us can actually be a form of disobedience itself. So, if I was to put that in an example, if our boss was to say to us, you know, I want this particular task done, could you get this thing done for me or get this form done for me or whatever? And we kind of say to them, okay, yeah, sure, but um, when do you need it done? And our boss says, well, get it done by Friday. And we go, okay, yep, sure, get it done by Friday. But we then don't start it until the end of the week. And then we kind of get it in by the end of Friday. <laughs> or we begin on the Thursday afternoon intending to have it done by Friday, but then kind of come across another issue that needed to be addressed. And we couldn't put it on our boss's desk until maybe Friday morning because really the attitude that we've been employing, the strategy that we've been employing is not now later. Because the reality is that we don't actually know what our boss needed that particular task done at that particular time. When We don't know why it needed to be done by the Friday. Mm. And so our being unable to be diligent may have actually directly impacted on our boss's ability to be able to do their job. Yeah, sure. And I can hear like a comeback to that even as I'm saying that out loud, right? I can hear someone might be going, yes, but what if – 
there was just too much on my plate. Like what if there were too many responsibilities? My boss has already put so much on my plate and then tried to put on this other extra thing on. Like what, what was I supposed to do? I was trying to get through, you know, X, Y, and Z. But the reality is this is still a diligence problem because it, it's our lack of ability to be diligently responsible that's caused this particular downfall. We owe it to our boss and to our other responsibilities at work to talk to our boss about how, you know, this particular task can practically be done if we know our plate is too full. If there are so many things on our plate, we need to be able to say to our boss, actually, I'd love to be able to get that done. But with everything else that you've tasked me with this week, I don't have the capacity to do it. What would you like me to do? Is there, is there a way? Would you like me to reprioritize? What would you like me to put on the lower priority to make this a higher priority mm. to be able to get it done? Because that's like that's the oversight that we have. Our boss doesn't have that oversight. So it's on us to be able to share that with our boss and go, hey, here's what I'm seeing. But that's how it becomes not only a fall of diligence for us, but also a fall of disobedience when we're mm. unable to exercise diligence. This resonates with me, I believe is the right word. Okay. I have recently employed this problematic approach. Okay. <laughs> Good timing. Good timing. So, so uh, one of my many hats in the diocese is that I lecture at the seminary. And, and, and every... Every teacher has to create a subject outline. And uh, and I know that one of our listeners is the Dean of Studies at the, <laughs> at the seminary. So, so, so he's going to be listening to this and be like, I knew it! I knew it! <laughs> Nothing like a dose of honesty uh, and uh, that's right, humility. That's right, exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the, the, the subject outlines, you've pretty much just got to create like, you know, what you're going to teach, which isn't too bad. That's, that's easy enough to do. It's then the reading resources and everything like that that then go with it. And I have had quite a lot on the old plate and I've been prioritising other things that I've needed to get done and I've left this at the bottom of the list. Yeah. And now it's 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 due in less than a week. Oof. And I'm sitting here going, I've not done a great deal towards that reading list. I really yeah. haven't. Like yeah. it's, it's you know, I've got to, I've got to get it done. Yeah. I've got to get it done, you know, and, and – uh, and so now I'm 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 like you know full steam ahead trying to get this thing done and and to some measure it will suffer because of the 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 time I haven't devoted to it. Yeah. So it, it, it will suffer in some small way there. Now it's it's not that I have no idea what I'm going to put on the reading list. Oh, of course. This, yeah, got, yeah, yeah. I've got some some yeah. notion, but but it's 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 getting it done at the right time, and you know respecting the Dean of Studies time, you know, respecting the due date that he's given to us lecturers to put those things in by, particularly if I expect my students to put things in on time right. as well, right? Yeah. So, so, so it's, it's sort of, yeah. and all it would have taken, all it would have taken is a conversation. That's all it would have taken is a conversation to say, Matthew, I'm going to need some help with that, that subject outline. Or... Or, or to the bishop, bishop, I need someone just to take this responsibility off my plate just for the next week. Yeah, something like that. Just, just yeah. a conversation to say, here's what I, here's what I need to help me make sure that my responsibilities are, are done in the way they need to be done. Yeah. Uh, but an unhealthy dose of pride. Uh, <laughs> Got you uh, in hot water. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So. Um, <laughs> This yeah. 
happens like in all sorts of contexts too. Like obviously we've talked about a more of a work setting yeah. now, but like even putting it in a family context, it, it, like I'm thinking, you know, maybe like a parent asks the child to take out the trash because it's, you know, garbage day tomorrow. And that generally might come as a, like a little reminder, like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. hey, don't forget to take the trash out or whatever. But generally when there's something like that put in place in a family household, there's an expectation that it'll be done right away. Yeah. So, you know, maybe mum or dad has said, hey, bins go out tonight. Don't forget to take the bins out. Mm. Generally that comes with an expectation of that you will do that right away. So maybe right after you finish your meal or right after you finish whatever you're doing at that particular time that you will go and do take care of that diligently. And if that can't be done for whatever reason, well, the onus is actually on the child to voice that. Go, I actually – Mum, Dad, remember I'm actually going to go and work on this particular assignment that you guys agreed that it would be okay that I would do. Remember, oh, yep, sure, no worries. Oh, you know, somebody else would take care of that. Mm. Let me mm. let me negotiate that. Or actually, remember how you said that I could call my friend after meal? Oh, yeah, okay, sure. Go and talk to your friend first and then make sure you go and take the trash out. Like yep. There's scope for negotiation, but it's on the child <laughs> yes. to voice and begin having that conversation around negotiating what else can be done here. And we don't just do this, like this conversation isn't just about, well, I have my rights and I'm going to make my rights known. (laughs) This isn't about like getting your way as such. It's about, and it's not even just about getting a job done. This is about love. Mm. Like it comes, that's what it boils down to. It boils down to how can we best love this person who's asked something of us? Because, you know, if a parent's asked a child to do a chore, that chore has implications on the family unit and the completion of that chore demonstrates an act of love. So our willingness to do it right away actually shows the level of love that we have for that person. This is why diligence is a virtue. (laughs) Yes, yes, how right you are. And, And obedience fits with it so well. The word obedience comes from two Latin words which have been joined together, ob and audire, which simply means to hear. Mm. And so if if one is is open to hearing and responding, um, not because I have to, but because I desire to, because I want to, because yeah. it's charitable to. You know, I mean, this is what Christ did. He heard the will of the Father and he acted, not because he had to, because he wanted to. Because, yeah. you know, and, and so that's, that's, that's for ourselves, is that, when we hear that there is something that needs to be done, that is our responsibility to do, uh, we take that up not out of, oh, I don't want to get in trouble or oh, I have to do it. or No, because this actually is an opportunity to love, even to love someone like a boss. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, to demonstrate Christian love for a boss um, <clears throat> or other colleagues. That's, that's, that's the opportunity in, in, in obedience, disobedience, on the other hand, is 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 the exact opposite. It, it, it's kind of a utilitarian approach in a way. Mm. Diligence is the virtue which I think aids in being obedient, mm. being diligent to our duties in a spirit of obedience, not out of not out of fear, but out of love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's love in the moment. Yeah, it's yeah. moment by moment. So diligence is just being able to love in this moment, yes. not waiting for the next. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Cool. There, there you go. go. There was an episode of Not Now Later. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> On diligence and disobedience. Mm. Before we end this episode, Padre, a truth, beauty, and goodness from Yes, there. yes. Well, uh, rather fittingly, I, I've had um, 
had Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life on my shelf for oh, some time. And yeah. I've, I've sort of started reading it and then put it down again and started reading and gone a bit further and put it down again. But no, look, I, I have to actually read this at some point. So I picked it up and read it. And I, it's just, it really is very good. Very, very sound, practical wisdom. Beginning with essentially get up and make your bed, you know, <laughs> and stand up straight, put your shoulders back, you know, be be presentable and and... Yeah, very, uh, very simple things. Tell the truth. Uh, yeah. yeah very, very simple stuff. Very common sense stuff. But it, it, it comes from that approach of be diligent, be responsible, and do so out of your desire to be a, a, a good human being. Now, now, Jordan Peterson, when he wrote that, was writing it from a very humanist perspective, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Sort of not so much a Christian perspective, but a very mm-hmm. humanist perspective. But there's still some pretty decent wisdom to be found in that. So I, I commend that uh, to anybody who's looking for some good common sense ways to exercise diligence in their own lives. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. How about yourself? For me, it was the wedding. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah. There were lots of moments, lots of beautiful moments throughout the wedding Obviously, you know, the vows are pretty special. Mm. Um, just the joy and the peace of the couple is really special. But I think in particular, just the preparation, like right beforehand. So mm. the the bride and I have been friends for over 10 years and we had we were sharing a accommodation the night before and we just sort of hung out the night before, sitting on her bed, talking about, you know, the practical things and then just kind of going, can you believe you're here? Like, wow, we're here. And then even... During the wedding day, you know, I, when we had a conversation the night before, do you, when do you think it'll hit you? I'm not sure, not sure. Maybe at this point, maybe at that point and the day after, like on the wedding day, and has it hit you yet? No, it hasn't hit me yet. You know, day goes on and she says to me, Stina, it still hasn't hit. I'm like, oh, okay, it's all right. You, you haven't slept, so that probably yeah, doesn't help. Yeah. Like, it's all right, it'll hit, it'll hit. And then I was asked to, to make a speech, so I made my speech and we kind of, went through the 10 years of friendship that we've been together or had together and the time that we've taken to pray for her future spouse. And I got back to the table and we were just hugging and she goes, Dean, it's hit. <laughs> went, oh, I'm so glad. That's awesome. I'm so glad. Yeah. So just those moments that, you know, it's, it's everything, isn't it? It's the beauty of the of marriage. It's God's faithfulness mm. to her. Mm. It's, you know, that fidelity coming through the vows, the commitment. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Love packaged in one day. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, how stunning. That's beautiful. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode of Living Fullness. We will catch you again next week, but until then, know of our love and prayers. Bye.